Sing out loud, baby. Hooked on songs with roots and tongue and palm. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to this week's episode of Hooked on Sonics. We are really excited about this week's episode. We have Danzig 5, uh, Black Acid Devil, and um, Waylon Jennings live from Austin, Texas, 1989 for Austin City Limits. Um, I am one of your two hosts, Bruce, and over there, uh, drinking some fine something over there. Uh, we got the lovely and talented Tone Capone. Uh, lots of music news, lots of uh, drink reviews, and some couple really interesting albums, I think. So uh, before we get into that, Tone, how are you? Good evening. I am fine. I am great, considering these guys clinched this week. If you guys' teams are on the bubble or in the hunt, still getting in, I'd like to wish you guys good luck. We're looking forward to that first round bye, getting rested up so we can go into the playoffs looking great. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, I think we're going to have a wonderful, wonderful show this evening. I know we've got a couple of really good albums to review. I'm not even going to pull no punches. Bruce, what you been listening to this week? Well, the big thing that I have been listening to this week was a, quite a, quite frankly, a little surprise. Um, they released Willie Nelson's 90th birthday bash, um, two CD, Blu-ray, and then lots of clips on YouTube. Uh, over three hours of music uh, for this show. Um, lots of lots of great guests: Chris Christopherson, Keith Richards, Snoop Dogg, uh, Chris Stapleton. Uh, the Abbott brothers, Cheryl Crow, Dave Matthews, lifts goes on and on and on and on. Um, phenomenal watching all these uh, artists paying tribute to Willie and getting a chance to sing with him too. So uh, still cool to see Willie at 90 years old, still getting it. Yeah. I believe um, I saw the, I saw the Snoop Dogg went on TikTok. Yeah. So yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, also been listening to the uh, front man for Screaming Trees, who we reviewed a few weeks ago, uh, Mark Lanigan, some of his solo stuff, some beautiful things uh, that he's released and definitely uh, doing a little more deep dive on him. So also been listening to a lot of other Danzig stuff as I was preparing for this week's episode. So that's it for me. What about you, my friend? Me personally, I've been listening to a lot of sleep stuff, a lot of stuff that falls off of sleep from high, uh, high on fire, ohm, and uh, some of Alsa Cisneros' dubstep stuff. Um, or yeah, I think it is dub. Uh, also, checked out your guy, your album. Um, I'm looking forward to reviewing that. Um, who else was I listening to this week? I just. Uh, we were discussing. We were discussing at some point in time that I'm going to try and do a deep dive on, like Judas Priest is my next thing to conquer. You know, just a, a deep diving because I really feel like I'm missing something there, and I and and I and I need to, you know, I don't want to miss it if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, other than that, I got to finish up the Dolly Parton album for our fiftieth fiftieth show. Uh, I think that's going to be swinging in just after the New Year. I want to say. Um, with that being said, you know, we're looking forward to that, but you know, that's pretty much what has been on my plate this week. And since we're going to keep moving right along at a lightning pace this evening, that's right. I am bringing you my beer review first. How about that? Get it. Boom, baby. We're going to take a sip of this bad boy. And it's a fiver all day, every day. This is one of my go-to beers. This is Bell's. Two-Hearted IPA Ale. This is an absolutely wonderful IPA. Um, when I want to introduce somebody to the IPAs, I uh, usually start with this one. It's uh, not too overbearing. It does have a bit of a hoppier flavor, so people understand what they're getting into getting into IPAs. But other than that, boom. Cheers to you. Boom. Skittles. Five? Give it a five. Five all day. There you go. 
All right. And me, I went a little lighter. Um, I had Jack Daniels bonded and Sprite zero as, nice. as the mixer. Nice. Now you and I've also discussed at some point in time about, you know, and, and I didn't get to finish that. I don't usually like my bourbon with a Sprite style drink, mm. but I can drink bourbon with Mountain Dew. Interesting. I've never had it with Mountain Dew. When you get the chance and you pour your next one next time around on that bonded, mm -hmm. feel free to dump it in a little can of Mountain Dew if you feel like it. Okay. It was I'll, the I'll do that. It was the original speedball drink back in my day. Because <laughs> you get all the caffeine from the fucking yeah, Mountain yeah. Dew and then the fucking bourbon get you, getting you drunk. So it's kind of... so Nice and even. It's nice yeah. and even. I like mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so for this... You know, again, it, it it sounds weird as a mixer, but it tastes really good. It's kind of it's kind of an old school feel to it. You know, back in the day, we had Jack Daniels and and regular Sprite or Seven Up um, back in the day. Um, this is just a little twist on it because I'm old, I'm fat and old. So you know, Sprite Zero, Jack Daniels bonded. That's a that's a phenomenal uh, mix on its own. Um, I'm going to give it a 4.8 all day. As long as it's not a Seagram seven and seven. <laughs> I can't drink that stuff. It's gross. I couldn't tell you the last time I had Seagram's. That's a hard couldn't pass for me. You'll never see it on my shelf. And if I, if it is on my shelf, I damn sure didn't buy it. I was going to say, well, there goes your Christmas gift. No, thank you, sir. <laughs> No, thank Listen, let me explain to you something. This is and now you've opened a bad can of worms. Let me tell you something. If you bring me a bottle and it is some bullshit, I am not going to pretend I like the bullshit. Do not show up at a bourbon aficionado's house with a bottle of fucking. Jim Beam Red Stag and think that you're going to be welcome with fucking open arms and that it's going to be, hey, that's okay, buddy. That's not going to happen. That's not going to fucking be me. No Red Ever. Stag? Dude, I had a kid bring me a bottle of the UFC fucking endorsed fucking Howler Head fucking monkey shit. And this is a banana whiskey or bourbon, whatever you want to call it. It was the grossest shit I ever drank in my entire life. I would rather drink bleach. I am not fucking. I heard kidding. it gets rid of COVID. Dude, and I told that kid. I fucking told that kid. <laughs> don't ever up. show up at my house with this shit again. And from now on, when you come over and you want to drink, you can drink that. Now I'm, I'm kind of interested in trying it. Dude, I'm sorry. I don't mean to sound like an asshole, but if you are going to pick me up a bottle of bourbon, I am not that hard to please, even on the cheap end. I can tell you a $13 bottle of bourbon that would fucking put a smile on my fucking face. I can tell you a $20 bottle, bottle of bourbon that will put a smile on my fucking face. But if you go buying some off-brand bullshit, and I've tasted that fucking proper 12 from fucking Conor McGregor, yeah, that shit tastes like cat piss. I will. You'll never catch me drinking that shit. That was the worst Irish fucking whiskey I ever had in my life, ever. Good to know. Ever. Good to know. Let me ask you something. Do you like Irish whiskeys? Uh, not particularly. Jameson. That's fine. Bushmills. I'm, I don't think I've had Bushmills. Jameson, I don't... Eh, it's I, can all right. I can drink Jameson, but I like it in the higher age. Mm -hmm. James, you get up in the Jameson 12 and 18, stuff like that. Okay, that's a little more palatable to me. But it's also a little more pricier, and that's fine. Yeah. But Irish whiskey, just off the shelf, what am I going to reach for? I'm going to reach for Bushmills Black Label. Okay. <clears throat> it's good to know. I'm I'm looking at possibly getting some. So uh, I also need to get some scotch too. So uh, let me tell you a good scotch. 
Highland Park 12, the Viking Tribute. It's the closest thing to tasting bourbon without all that PD over fucking nasty taste of fucking moss. Mm. It's it's dude. I was I was stepping away from scotches for a little while, and a buddy had brought the, a bottle of that over and has left it here. It is a very pleasurable bottle. I might I might bring it on the show one time. Okay. Very cool. Cool. All right, man. Um, moving into news, let's start off with your day in uh, day in the life of news. Yeah. So uh, this week was a little. This week in music history is a little light. Um, let's see. See, the Beatles released their seventh Christmas record uh, today in 1969. What was the name of it? Uh, uh, it the Beatles Christmas? Yeah, it's Beatles seventh Christmas record. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Yeah, salute. Um, and then the Rolling Stones um, recorded um, their album Steel Wheels Live in its entirety and released it um, this uh, today in 2020. Uh, okay. I haven't actually I haven't actually heard that one, uh, but I do enjoy Steel Wheels a lot. So uh, let's see. In 1955 today, on um, December 19th, Blue Suede Shoes was first recorded. And Mac the Knife by the Bobby Darren was recorded in 1958. I think I'm used to a Sinatra version, I believe, since you uh, put me out on Front Street earlier. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. Let me give you a piece of my news. I do know yeah. that Doyle and Otep are putting themselves out on tour as well as um, – uh, KK's Downing, uh, KK Downing's, uh, KK's Priest is out uh, doing a small leg, I think, and uh, they won't be doing meet and greets. KK's not into them. Don't look forward to that unless they decide to change it up. Up until now, it doesn't sound like he's interested in doing any meet and greets. And that's obviously who you want to meet when it comes to KK's Priest, aside from Tim Ripper Owens and, you know, maybe some of the rest of the band. But I think the, the prom- prominent members of that band are Tim, R- Tim Owens and fucking... Uh, KK. Uh, With that being said, um, one of the things I would like to mention is I caught some wind of this thing through social media of um, if you could folks can remember the band Sublime. There is uh, we we are aware that Bradley Noel had passed away and the band had been continuing on as Sublime with Rome uh, for a number of years. Uh, There is video footage out there and I urge you to see this. I don't know how many songs were in the set. I want to say that I saw at least three and I've watched them over and over uh, because I am a bit of a Sublime fan. Uh, But Bradley Noel's son, Jacob Noel, on vocals and guitar with the rest of the members of sublime. And this is a very, very, um, very, very cool thing to see. Uh, I wouldn't say, you know, I would definitely say it's not something that you're going to see every day where a son gets to take the reins from his dad and his band, basically musically, you know, um, that's, uh, that's going to be pretty cool. Um, following that as of yesterday, Rome announced that he is doing his last few shows with Sublime, and uh, that is going to be coming to an end. Uh, he'll be looking forward to his solo career, and we wish him the best of luck. Uh, but this m- new era, you know, what is what is going to go on with this new era of Sublime? Uh, it'll be very interesting to see. Um, I know that when they tour, they tour with some pretty big names that could sell out some pretty decent-sized venues, such as 311 and stuff like that, man. But, dude... This is a this is a pretty big deal, man. This is a pretty big deal, um, and I'm very very excited by it. Uh, other than that, I didn't think I saw something where Bruce Dickinson has released a song off of his new album, and uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty much what I have for the news. The news. The news. Cool. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, that sublime thing's pretty interesting. Um, I wasn't a huge fan, obviously, just the stuff that's on the radio, um, Sangria and, you know. Santeria. Uh, that, that too. That was Sangria. It's Santeria. I don't okay. practice Santeria. Sangria. It's not Sangria. I don't practice What do you mean practice Sangria? I don't, I don't practice drinking wine with fruit in it. Maybe I do. <laughs> don't judge me. 
<laughs> anyway, I, I think I dig a lot of those songs that they did. Uh, didn't really follow them after all that, but you know, that's cool. I think that's a, that's a cool thing that uh, son's able to carry on the legacy, so to speak. Hopefully he can write some good songs and, you know, make new music. Cause no one wants to just stay like a legacy act at that, at that, you know, age. And, and know? that's where I was talking with, I think, I may have been talking to you last night about it um, in regards to what's going to happen there. Cause it's make or break. Mm -hmm. Like they, they, they could continue touring off of what's there of that, but will their new album, if they produce a new album, be as successful as anything they may have done before? Will they see that? Will they be able to replicate that success with his son? They yeah, may be able to, be cool. they'd be able I mean, I could see them being able to re replicate the success of touring because mm -hmm. people are in, they have their own cult following. I get it. Okay. But to replicate album success or even rank higher than they did on billboard at that time of their major success beforehand with that, will that be possible? It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, yeah, definitely stay tuned to that. Um, it's but it is a cool story and can't wait to see more from them, indeed. Indeed, yeah, all right. Well, listening to the gods this evening and not the gods of the band, God rest his soul, Eric Moore. Um, I was informed by a heinous little demon on my shoulder that you're up first. How about that? Well, at least he let me know ahead of time. All right. All right. So here we go. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I had Danzig 5, Black Acid Devil. It was obviously the fifth studio album by Danzig. Um, I, we are in agreement that we're pretty sure this is the first album that Glenn had uh, produced on his own. Uh, should be the first one he did without Rick Rubin. Um this was a purposeful departure from the first four albums that Glenn had done. Um, he was wanting to shake things up and he was trying to get a new audience and he really didn't care if the old audience came along with him uh, on this. Uh, according to a couple of interviews I kind of uh, seen over this week. So, um, this album, to me, see, it had musically it had some um, definitely paid homage to early White Zombie. Definitely some 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 influence there. Um, musically. Yeah, there are some cool riffs. There are some really interesting pieces in there. Uh, the vocals in this, however, on a lot of these songs, I don't get it. And as a fan of Glenn's previous stuff, this some of this vocal vocal stylings on this stuff, what the fuck, dude? What the fuck? Um, but like he said, he didn't care. This, he, this yeah. dude, uh, honestly, I think this was out al his album to say, you know what? I'm going to do something different. I'm not obligated to this label anymore. So the sky's the fucking limit and I'm going to do what I want to do. Yep. No, I'm going to play with ideas and things that I had never had the opportunity to do because I was pigeonholed into this one sound. Yeah. Or maybe he, you know, I don't know what, what the guy's feeling and I don't want to predict what he's feeling because Danzig's not the type of guy you go around going, well, I predict he feels this way. You know what I'm saying? But I'm saying, think about where he may have been head wise. He had four albums under the guise of Rick Rubin. There was some success. There may have been five if you count Thrall Demon Sweat Live. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But moving on into five, if he's actually done and, and released from either the label or under the under the guise of Rick Rubin, 
what do you do? You know, do, do you do you go back to the formula that seems to be growing stale? Or do you start exploring other music types that you know that are interesting to you? Okay. Especially, especially, especially for the time and era. You know what I mean? Yes. No, I will agree with you there. So just for, you know, just for everyone's reference, this album was released October 29th, 1996. Um, it was recorded between, you know, 95 and 96. So a little over a year to, to actually record it. Um, yeah, music was definitely changing. Um, even on that, on the metal scene, it was changing. It was going leaning more towards this industrial white zombie-ish. Fear Factory. Tool, Fear Factory, Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. Marilyn Manson. All this stuff was starting to creep in to where normal metal, normal metal was kind of waning off. So I, I understand wanting to change it up some. But one of my problems with Glenn, and it's not just this album, on other albums that he's done after this, his vocal stylings are, I don't get it. I don't get it. So one of the things I that I noticed about, about Danzig's vocals when I was listening to the first four albums, just kind of, you know, going through them um, this week, he delivers his, he delivers the vocals in a very Jim Morrison feel. Very Jim Morrison, especially live. You know, you know how much I hate that comparison, but go ahead. I know, but but it's accurate. It is mm. accurate. If you listen to Morrison during Roadhouse Blues era, LA uh, LA Woman era, and during live, there's a lot of influence there with Glenn from my ears. So when he's trying to he opens up this this with seventh house. Uh, let me get to the track listing here. And he did this, yeah, seventh house. Um, he did this uh, vocal take in one take, and it was just gibberish. That's how it sounded. Now, obviously, there's lyrics, and it's about a breakup, and you know, sex, and all that jazz. But the way he just kind of it sounded like Vince Neil on Generation Swine. It sounded awful. Okay. It was a good riff. A good riff, but the vocals I was like, what are we in for? So I, I, I mean, I get it. It's, it's especially for that being the opening track and you being used to what you're hearing. Yeah, I get it. I trust me. I get it. But you know what? I'm also known, you know, maybe that first track is like, I'm fucking free from my label and he's really fucking really pumping it out, dude. You know, this is like, but, but obviously you're, you're a longtime Danzig fan. Can you understand why other Danzig fans didn't take to this album oh completely but i but see here's the thing i've always taken it like and i still take it to this day glenn's gonna do what he wants to do musically mm -hmm. it's not always about the fans you know what i mean it's about what he wants to write musically it's his music if you accept it great you know he's always going to have fans don't get me wrong mm -hmm. but as a fan, I can personally tell you, I understand why people would have fallen off this album. Me personally, I liked the album. The first six albums are probably my favorite albums from Danzig, you know, and then a lot of people who are original Danzig fans would say the first three, they would, they would feel that four would be like for Metallica, the black album. You know what I mean? Where the hmm. transit, where the transition would start to happen. And, you know, we weren't quite there. This album's okay, but we get into the fifth album and Metallica would go into the reload, the, the load album and go, yeah. Holy shit. This is a complete departure from what we're fucking used to. Right. You see what I'm saying? Right. So 
and bands were going through this stuff and some people it worked for and some people it didn't and some people's fan bases fucking just continued to hang on and hope for a fucking better day and yep. the same thing goes on with fucking metallica right now dude this lux eterna is a good like you could see the progression of them getting back to what sounded really fucking good and formula sounded really good to them from i would say death magnetic yeah Okay. Yeah. And, and there was this growing that was going on that was getting us to this. Okay. We're getting back to where we, you know, somewhat familiar territory mm-hmm. and Danzig would do the, the five album and we would still see some electronic stuff. And I think in some of the stuff that was on six, but six was a phenomenal fucking album, man. Like it was a phenomenally produced. Like when I think about Danzig albums and production, I still feel production was dark from four back. I still feel production was a little, you know, obviously we're a little different on this album, mm-hmm. but in the sixth album, I would say production on this album would be just as good as production as fucking Megadeth, Rust and Peace. Okay. You know, just a phenomenal fucking produced album. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. So as a fan, I can, I can definitely tell what you're saying and I can under, completely understand where you're coming from, but Glenn's been known to do this type of shit have yeah. you ever have you ever gotten to hear the the operatic shit the uh the the uh fucking what do they call that um not opera you know opera style music but uh and and it is some opera style pieces in it the black araya one and two albums no i haven't listened to those i mean they're probably some of my favorite classical style masterpieces man mm-hmm. and the inlay cover is uh it says something to the effect of may this album take you places that you've always wanted to be but never could or something like that and it's basically uh based on the whole um paradise lost situation okay and it's it's a really freaking good good I'll have to put that in your hand sometime, man. It's a good album. Okay. If you find the album, pick up the album. It's it's worth the buy. It's a, it's a good fucking album. And the album cover art's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'll check it out on Spotify there. Um, so I kind of, on this go around, I kind of did what you started doing. I did the uh, grades on each song. Um, you know, you may be able to change my mind on a couple of these, but... Uh, Seventh House, the first song on air, I gave it a D. Uh, the only reason I didn't give it an F because I, I like, I like the, I like that industrial sound. I like that zombie sound that he was trying to go for. I just the vocals did not, I did not connect with them. Well, it was a uh, huge, it was a huge shock to the system. Sure, considering but you can, what you know of dancing, right, right. Uh, Black Acid Devil, I gave it a C. I gave it a C. Uh, let's see. See uh, All You Were, I think I gave that a D as well. Oh, my God. Ugh. Sac- oh, my God. Here, this will turn around for you. Sacrifice, where his vocals are actually really good. I, I gave it a B. Sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. I gave it a B. That's uh, I gave sacrifice a B hint of her blood. It, it, it was a C. It was fine. It wasn't a standout track. Um, Serpentia. I'm with you on this. We kind of talked about it a little bit off there. It's a D. I, it, it was a throwaway track to me. Yeah. Um, here is these next two songs are the ones. I really wish there was more of this on this album. Yeah. Uh, Come to Silver with him and Jerry Cantrell and um, the cover of Black Sabbath's Hand of Doom. Um, Glenn kind of reworked some of the lyrics, I guess, and, you know, arranged it a little bit different, obviously, you know, again, to fit more into this industrial sound. But um, they knocked out of the park with both of these, both of these songs. Uh, So Come to Silver and Hand of Doom both got A's uh, for me. Power of Darkness was really good. Uh, I gave that a B, and I really enjoyed Ashes, the final song on the original release. There ended up being three releases to this album. Uh, the second one, uh, 
uh, had back in 2000 that was reissued, had three additional songs. I didn't actually listen to those ones, though. Um, I just didn't have them uh, on me. So, um, but all in all, I think if Glenn had somebody, I think if Glenn had a good producer or somebody in his ear to say, hey, let's fine tune some of these vocals, this would have been a much better well-received album i don't think it's necessarily the the industrial sound that turned people off i think it was his performance that probably turned a lot of people off because musically it's there musically it's there for the most part um but just his his delivery was, was not glenn. great dude it was glenn i just looked it up he, he was oh. the producer okay yeah, I think, you know, and a lot of these guys, um, they get in their own way sometimes. Um, I, I think, I think with, with some more help, some more kind of let's, let's bring these vocals in a little bit more. I think it would have been a better received album. Uh, me personally, I'm going to give this a six. Um, it, this is, it was a good first attempt at trying to do something different, but it, it failed to me. Mm. It doesn't hold a candle to the first four does not hold a candle. And that's, and that's what happened. Yeah. You grew to love the original dancing sound, the original lineup. Yeah. That, that original bluesy guitar style metal set rooted in Sabbath feel, you, 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 I get it. Right. I get but it. I, but also I like that industrial sound. He just didn't pull it off. Well, you know what? I wonder, I wonder if he had any contact, any interaction, or if this person had any influence on the album or if they could have had influence on the album. Why, why wouldn't Glenn go see someone like Trent Reznor? And say, listen, I'm going to make this style of album. Grant Reznor's a really good producer. Yeah. For sure. You know, why, why, you know, I think there may have been a track that may have been produced by Reznor. I can't say for sure. Um, I didn't see, uh, give me a second here. Um, uh, Ah, uh, man, what was it? Um, I know that at some point in time, Glenn was talking about doing a whole album with uh, Jerry Cantrell. And, and that would be cool. That and, would be really cool. Um, Give me a second, man. Yeah, I don't see anything on here uh, that really kind of points to anyone that would have had any major influence. You said you gave it a six, right? Yeah. It ranked pretty fucking low, dude, in, in, most, in most reviews that I can see here. And so and real quick, just real quick on those reviews, kind of what, without all, taking a whole lot of time, what's some of the like... Sticking all music, points. All music gave it two and a half stars out of five. Okay. College Music Journal said it was favorable. Rock Hard gave it something like four out of ten, four point five out of ten stars. Guitar World gave it two out of five stars. So it did not really fare up fucking well. Yeah, you know, and um, if you go to Wikipedia's page. You'll see what the original cover looked like. Okay. Because it was yeah. a, it was it was a it was a fold open cover. Gotcha. Yeah, it was red, I think. Yeah, I told you yeah. I had like the heat vision type 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 cover. Yeah. Yep. So, me personally, I give it a seven just because I'm a Danzig fan, you know, and 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 it makes sense for me that it's a seven because I would really look into something I could find more on the album. I know a lot of people probably wouldn't care for the uh, the Danzig. Um, 
Elvis covers album. And I, at first, I didn't care for it either, either, but I went back and listened to some of my original uh, Elvis stuff and then went back and listened to what Danzig did. And I'm just like, you know what? He didn't do not He didn't do anything wrong here. He didn't do anything wrong. And he paid, he paid a lot of this shit, some real fucking justice. Yeah. So I, I actually, the, the album actually really grew on me, you know, and I'll tell, and I'm not afraid to admit when an album grows on me, but yeah. what you, what you get from me on the show is my initial response. This is me taking in the album as, as best as I can, understanding it, breathing it, listening to the lyrics and, and then going, okay, this is what the production was like. This is, you know, how does the band sound? Does, does anybody, anybody sound out of place? You know what I mean? So yeah. A six, man. I get it. I get it. I totally get it, dude. And I and I was kind of hoping that um maybe your mind was a little more open to the idea of understanding that he goes off and does shit like this. He does what he wants, and either you're gonna love it or you're gonna hate it. Again, I like the industrial sound. He just didn't deliver it well. Mm -hmm. His vocals were awful mm -hmm. on a lot of these tracks. Okay. All right. Well. You heard the man's review. It's six. You heard mine. I give it a personal seven, but that's because I'm biased as a fan. Um, I, if I had to actually go back and review the album, I haven't listened to it for a while. Who knows where I'd land on it? But as it stands in my head, it's a seven because I love about three quarters of the album. Yeah. So with that being said, let's move on to my review. Yeah. Bruce, my friend gave me Waylon Jennings live from Austin in 1989. And like Back in a f some odd number of episodes back, I informed Bruce that there was some video footage for a Talking Heads uh, album that I had given him, Stop Making Sense. And he went to go listen to the original album, and it, he's like, you know what, maybe I better go check out the video. And he got to see the video of the actual concert and really took in the whole experience and got to deal with that. Um, let me say that I didn't even go directly to the album. I went straight to the video footage and watched everything one by one by one. And I uh, have quite a bit to say about this album. There were 17 tracks. It opened up with a rambling man. Um, I gave the song a B okay. because it was a good opener. Um I don't know that there was anything personally that he could have opened up the track or the, the, uh, the show with that would have been, you know, really kind of here we are, we're, we're here to do our thing. Um, so I gave that a B, uh, rainy day woman. I gave it a B as well. Um, these, these were just not favorite parts of my album or my thing. I couldn't find anything really wrong with the song, but I just really didn't enjoy it. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it was a horrible song. Maybe, you know, if this is your style of music, you're probably going to, you know, you may enjoy it a little more than I did. Um, America. This was a standout track for me. I really, really like the track. I like the lyrics in this track. I like the feel of how he's delivering the message across this track. Um, I may be used. This is an A plus track. This is probably my favorite track <laughs> on the whole freaking album. Um, this this was probably one of my favorite tracks on the album. This is just a really fun track, and it just it really shows. I really like when country takes its its turn on. You know, well, this is me, and this is how it is, and uh, if you don't like it, it's tough shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I, I've always liked that. Um, with that being said, that was great. Amanda, I gave that an A. You know, once again, we fall back down. We go into uh, me and Bobby McGee. I grew up on the um, uh, Janis Joplin version of that song. Mm -hmm. So I would rather hear it from a woman's perspective than a man's perspective. And that is why I gave that a B. There was nothing really wrong with the song, but it hearing him sing me and Bobby McGee to me, um, it just didn't sit well. So I'll tell you something real quick on Bobby, me and Bobby McGee. Chris Christopherson actually wrote that song. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was originally written as as Waylon did it. Um, Waylon's been right or singing that song for as long as he's been playing. Um, I was wondering how you were going to feel about that without, uh, a, ha without having that knowledge. I don't find nothing wrong with the song. I get it, right? but, but, but I get it. I, I grew up on Janis Joplin and yep. to me, it has more feel coming from a woman than it does a man. Yeah. 
you know, I get it. And, uh, just because of the lyrical content and stuff, you know what I mean? There's, there's a whole different element there than just hearing some dude talk about him and Bobby McGee. Like, Hey, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, so no, just don't, we're not but, even going to go. Nope. But, nope. In, but nope. in, this is, nope. but this is a female version. It, Bobby is a female in this. I, listen, I understand that. I'm just telling you. Yeah. But why, why? This, let's not get into it. I don't want to deal with it. It's not happening. <laughs> Trouble Man, track number seven. I gave this a B. Um, it's okay, you know. Uh, Mama, don't let your babies grow up. Um, I really liked in the video footage, you know. And if you didn't see the video footage, you didn't know this. He takes his finger and sticks it up to the side of his nose to make a fucking little bit more of a whinier sound to sound like Willie Nelson when he goes to sing Willie's part in this song on uh, Mama's Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Get the Cowboys. Because of that, and only because of that, I gave it an A. Because <laughs> that, that was that was the turning point. It was like, that was good. I dig that. If I would have been in the crowd and saw that, I would have probably been like, yeah, that's cool as shit, right? Um, good old boys. A plus. Come on, dude. I grew up on the Dukes of Hazard. There was, there was no... no um, just the nostalgia feel there right there dude um real quick did you see that video that i sent you with the with the the dukes yeah, hazard thing? i did i did i did it was great dude um number 10 bob wills is still king gave that an a that was a pretty good song too uh everything else moving down this list just ends up being an a um are you sure hank did it this way cool song really cool mm. song uh suspicious minds this covers suspicious minds um the the dark more darker toned voice more bassier style voice that really suits that song well i thought I, I really liked his version of it um honky tonk angels or no 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 i'm gonna get into this that and honky tonk angels both were great but let's not fucking beat around the bush here either with Jesse Coulter coming in, which I guess was his wife at the time. Yep, that's you know? his wife. From what I understand, she put her career on a bit of a back burner to just follow her husband and do the things his husband was doing, or her yep. husband was doing. Yep. Um, she is, um, would have liked to have wondered how things played out for her later on in her musical career if they ever did because she's a pretty damn good voice man and those two songs right there bringing her out beautiful woman on stage and i'm going to get to all this whole thing in a minute because i'm mm -hmm. about to wrap this up um really cool um good-hearted woman once she takes off stage and he goes into that great placement for this song another a um i've always been crazy another a really dig that tune um when we get into luckenbach texas i would understand that this is actually something that he actually wrote and i'm very familiar with this song i just didn't know it was him that is an amazing fucking tune that is an amazing fucking country tune that is a classic staple american fucking country tune and yep. that that gets an a for me that is a standout track and then to close out the set with i ain't living long like this it was just a great closer. Once again, this gets an A. It's so a rocker. This, this album is really, really cool to see it, though. If you can sync this up to your stereo and play this thing, um, man, you're going to have a good time with this. And let me go ahead and give my other points on this real quick. Um, we, You were trying to discuss to me about his way of playing. Mm. He does have a pretty unique way of playing. Um, his guitar absolutely a beautiful 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 telecaster one of the most beautiful telecasters i've ever seen in my life uh, and i've seen this thing before i know i have at some point growing up because my parents on my mom's side really listened to a lot of more country and stuff like that so um uh the slide guitar player let's just talk about that guy for a minute that guy is probably one of the best freaking dudes in that band like his playing is top notch for a freaking slide guitar player dude can i say something real quick yeah that is a pedal steel guitar right and that is the great ralph mooney yeah well uh, dude dude moon moon mm. is a fucking god dude that dude murdered 
everything, every note he played, dude, that was just a laceration. Here, hey, I'm gonna kill you with this one. Yeah, he's it was, he was a god. He, he was he was good. That drummer, absolutely. Yeah. That drummer's that drummer was tight as shit. Uh, the uh, the keyboard player. The guy on keys, amazing. I could, I could, I would love to walk into a country and western bar and catch that dude at the piano, fucking just putting it down. That would be fucking good. Um, all the roles were filled. All the roles were filled. There's, you know, key players in places doing the things they were doing. They were fantastic. His daughter on uh, vocals, uh-huh. off to, off behind him. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, this takes me back to a childhood, man. Like hmm. I, I was probably. I would have been about 12, 13 years old when this would have dropped. I remember seeing stuff like this on the TV. I remember seeing these little country shows like this. Now, please understand at that age, at that age, this was not the music I was seeking out. Mm-hmm. I had no interest in this stuff. None. Me neither. Me neither. None. None. I heard this stuff and it was flip. We ain't gonna listen to that shit. And uh, growing up, you know, you tend to your musical choices change. You get to diving into a little bit more. You start having a little more influence, remembering influence from your parents and family and friends. And uh, country's taken a little bit into you know a little bit into me, but it's still not music that I seek out. I still think honestly, um, one of the other things I also want to mention. Uh, you you talked about his guitar playing. He plays off the back of the body, mm-hmm. so his his hand placement puts him right at the bridge pickup for all of his stuff until he comes up just a little bit when he gets to picking and grinning, doing his his little thing. And he's very he is a very talented guitar player. Uh, I will say that. I will tell you this. I don't know much about Waylon Jennings, unfortunately. Uh-huh. You know, it's just I know and have respect for who he was and what he did to music. Same way about Conway Twitty, dude. You know, I know who he is. I know what he did for the for country music. Uh, just I, I know very little, you know. Uh, and what I know, I don't say I did dislike. But um, with as many A's that I shot across this thing with 17 tracks on it and really taking in the footage, I don't. I want to say this. If I took in the album without the footage, I would probably not really understand that it was a live album. Mm. Interesting. There was, there was not a lot of crowd. Mm-mm. You didn't understand a lot of the crowd going on in this thing. Even even listening and watching the show, you seen the crowd and you heard the crowd. But like, if I heard this on as a live recording, just without the video. I don't know that I could base it on a true live recording other than what would sound like the possibility of what may come across as plugged in crowd. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, it was a very subdued TV audience. Very, very, very subdued TV audience. So with that being said, um, man, I, I, I'm not going to hold any punches, dude. I, I Listen, country's not my thing, but I cannot deny how great this album is without the video. I don't know what I would have given this. I probably, probably would have ranked this as, eh, this is some more country shit. I probably would have ranked it about a seven without the video with the video though, man. And watching, you know, he's got some good light little banner in there, man. He is a, he's, he is a bit of a showman in that regard. Um, I'm going to give this album from me with as many nines as I gave or A's that I gave on it. I want to give it a nine. I want to give it a nine with the video footage, but you know what? Because of the nostalgia factor, dude, it's a nine with the video footage. It's a nine with video footage. That's just automatically what comes to mind. It's a nine with the video footage, man. It's 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 a cool thing to watch. It is really is a cool thing to watch because there was this era back then of country music where things were like that, and yeah. it, it was um, 
how could you say this? It seemed like a little bit more respectable, you know, mm-hmm. in situations. Like you remember watching some of those old American bandstands and stuff. They'd have the crowd sit down. Yeah. Sit down. But certain bands would come on and people would just lose it, dude. Like the Beatles would hit the mm-hmm. something like that or something. And uh I'll tell you this, man. It's um it's so to me, it was such a walk down a memory lane for me. And not that I was super familiar with this album or th- this video footage. It just reminded me of a time of childhood and it made me call my mom and say, Look, man, you gotta see this. I almost want to heat up the garage, go out to the garage plug it up on the YouTube, listen to it on the stereo and go, let's just, let's just take an hour and watch this. You know, it was cool. Really cool experience. So yeah, there's my review, man. It gets a nine with the video seven without the video, because I just honestly feel that without the video, you wouldn't really know that it was a live thing. You know what I mean? So here's what I'll say to that. I think the video for this particular performance is very important because of Waylon's delivery. Um, the jokes work better if yeah. you see his facial expressions. Yeah, his guitar work really shines when you're looking at him. Yeah, you're and you're seeing fucking Moon over there just fucking shitting and getting. Oh, dude, I, that, that's 110 percent the reason why I got a nine. Yeah. Without the visual effect, I don't know that I could have given this anything higher. I probably would have ranked as <laughs> Bruce gave me another country album. Right, because yeah, you need that um that extra thing there. Um I I love Waylon and this video in particular is why I love Waylon. He had so much fun, man. And he was such a fucking boss. And he was just so fucking talented and it didn't matter who he had behind him as long because moon was with him pretty much from the beginning. Um, and them two were just on fire and it didn't matter who else was with them. Um, now now it's my understanding that his backing band went through a name change. They were eventually, they were one thing that eventually became something else. Can you enlighten me on that? Yeah. So, um, it was the whalers. It was the Whalers, and then I think it went to, I think the later on it went to like the, no, that's Shooters. Shooters, back in band was the no, I think it was the, the Whalen Outlaws. Yeah, that was later on, but really it was just, for all intents and purposes, for most of his recording career, it was the Whalers, why or would just Whalen Jennings. Why would it be the Whalers? Because the Whalers would be Bob Marley. Yeah. Maybe that's why they changed the name. Maybe. And that, and like, there was, there was a lot of, like, he had some of, some of the same guys on tour with him for years, but he made it a point to, whenever they'd start getting a little too big for their britches, like, no, you know, trying to out, trying to outshine Waylon, mm-hmm. he just get rid of them. Like, no, this is my band. They're coming yeah. to see me. Yeah, you guys are important, but I'm the fucking star. Yeah. Um, and so I think trying trying to just eliminate, you know, any uh, other real mention of them other than you know band introductions. I think that may have may have had something to do with it. Um, this is probably my second favorite live album by Waylon. The only reason I didn't give you my first favorite one, because the only one that's that's out there is an ex, it's called Wayland Live and it's an expanded edition. It's a two CD set and you would have shot me because it Good was recorded. It was recorded over like three nights. I would have killed you. Uh, yeah. And be, it was it was recorded the- in 1974 when this dude was on fucking fire. That would be the end of the show. Yeah. You want to kill the show? Present me with that album. <laughs> Present me with anything relative close to that album, dude. Yep. So again, his humor was still there. The fucking guitar work was even better. Um, so this was this is a great second choice. Uh, because I knew I wanted to get some Wayland to you. And I'm really glad you, you enjoyed it. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Those are the reviews. Yeah. For all of views. All six of you now watching. 
How about that? How about that? All six of you watchers out there, we want to appreciate you so much. Once again, if you like what you see here, hit that like, comment down below, or hit that subscribe bell to catch us every week. As a matter of fact, to speak about next week, being that it is the holiday week, we will be taking next week off. Uh, so our reviews that we choose to give each other this evening will be done on the following week. Um, we want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas if you celebrate that, the Happy Hanukkah, or Happy Holidays in general. Uh, please take care of yourselves. Be well. Uh, Bruce, I think it's about time we dump a couple albums on each other before the next show. Yes, sir. I had a hell of a time finding a fucking album for you this week. I've had your album for at least a week. Yeah. All right. Well, give me yours first. We were discussing <laughs> last week the 50 years of hip hop tribute show and stuff and whatnot. And it really got me thinking about you know, hip hop artists as a whole. We recently lost a gentleman by the name of MF doom. That is the name you're looking for. M F doom. Mm -hmm. And this guy just had one of the most unorthodox flows that was just like, Whoa, like that's, Whoa, that's so different. Like, it's so different than most most hip-hop that you would hear. This guy just had one of the most insane flows, and he was very much so an underground artist. If you knew about him, you knew about him. And I got turned on into, to, to him from specifically this album because I was late night watching shows like um, Robot Chicken, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, and shit like that. The name of the album I'm giving you is MF Doom. The mouse and the mask. The mouse and the mask? The mouse and the mask. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> After several hours and days of deliberating what I was going to give you, um, this album's been out for a couple months now. <clears throat> I still really enjoy it. Um, I know you're a big fan of this of this band too, and I really want your I really want your opinion on this album. Um, so I am giving you the Stones, Hackney Diamonds. That new shit. Yep. Is it available? It is available on the tube. On the tube. Fucking. I hate being forced to listen to an album I'm not ready to listen to. You're not ready to listen to it? No, it's on the list, but all trust right. Me. Do you want me do you nope, want me to no, give no, you something no, else? No, no, trust me, I want to hear it just gets moved up in priority. Okay. How many how many tracks are on this album? And have you uh, listened to it? I have it. You own it. Mm-hmm. All right. How many tracks? I think it's like 12 or 13. I can't look at it right now or I'll shut my, it'll You're probably shut off my Wi-Fi, but okay. yeah, but I will tell you as soon as we get done here. Okay. All right. So Rolling Stones, Hackney Diamonds, and you got yep. MF Doom, the mouse in the mask. Yeah, about that. I, dude. Now is that is that the dude that has the Doctor Doom as the front logo? Yeah, yeah, I've I've seen a lot of his stuff over at Lost and Found Records. And Check never... him out on uh, Broadway in Knoxville, Tennessee. Yes, our good friends over here at Lost and Found Records, Knoxville, Tennessee. Yes, sir. I always try to keep that on hand when we mention them. So with that being said, I'm hoping to hear a good thing from you that from this album. This album's a lot of fun. And dude, I like the artwork. Dude, that I, I know that. Dude, that dude is a lyrical monster. So with that being said, dude. Oh, I can't wait to hear your review. We will not be here next week just due to the holidays. Once again, please take care of yourselves. Be safe. Be well. We look forward to seeing all six of you viewers next time. Bruce, maybe seven. We are hooked on Sonics. That's right. I'm Tone Capone. That's Bruce. 
we're out of here. Merry Christmas. And Happy New Year.